And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Stars Matter, a recruiting podcast from The Athletic. I'm Mitch Light, joined by Ari Wasserman. Today, it's National Signing Day. Ari, how you doing, bud? Um, should we just like cut last week's episode and run it again? Why? Because nothing happened? No, because we had the entire South Carolina podcast already. Yes. We well, talked 30 minutes about South Carolina, and here we are. Yeah, so there was some drama today, though. Like, like we didn't expect much to happen, but we're going to talk South Carolina because Nicholas Harbor went down to the wire. There was Oregon talk. There was South Carolina talk. Jaden Rashada signed or did not sign. Jaden Rashada committed. We did not expect that. Mm-hmm. So I, I wasn't expecting There were happenings. Nothing. What, what was that? There were happenings. I don't know yes. if drama would be the right word, but things was, I think significant things happened. I was Grace was Grace Renner was tracking Harbor because she was going to write a story if he signed with South Carolina. There mm-hmm. was some back and forth drama there. Shane Beamer, we'll get into it in a minute, but Shane Beamer basically, I think someone t- tweeted about it too, but told Grace he got a text in the middle of the night that had him not feeling so comfortable about where um, South Carolina stood. So we're gonna, we're going to talk about those two storylines. We're going to bounce around the country to some other happenings. We will turn our attention to the class of 2024. Got trivia, mailbag if there is time. So where do you want to start, Ari? It's got to be Jaden Rashada or Nicholas Harbour. Uh, let's start with Harbour first because we've talked a lot about Rashada and Harbour's a, yeah. um, a pretty big get, So, yeah. so <laughs> to I, say the one, least. One thing I learned from you, Ari, sorry for the interruption there, is when, we started, when I started working with you and covering recruiting, you know, with your background covering Ohio State, and we kind of pride ourselves on this podcast being more about strategy and theory. Just learned about like again, like I just followed college football recruiting as a college football fan. It's like, oh, you just go get the best players, and you sure you recruit your backyard, but you get the best players. And just the geography of it, and you, like you said, Ohio State going in areas where the local team might be struggling for whatever reason, like Texas or Southern California. And I just remember when Shane Beamer was hired, he constructed a staff and probably looked at the landscape. Sure, they want to recruit the Southeast. If you're South Carolina, you're going to recruit your own state. You're going to recruit Georgia and Florida. But maybe there's an opportunity there in the Northeast a little bit. You know, yeah. uh, Pete Limbo was on his staff, who's a head coach at Lehigh and some Elon, I believe, and – and so I was like, okay, that sounds pretty good. And they've done pretty well. They got a quarterback in 24, Dante Reno from Connecticut. And they have some guys in the D.C. area. But to me, this is just really the, the fruits of that, their labor of trying to recruit the Mid-Atlantic and Northeast, going in and get a five-star from Washington, D.C. Yeah, and I, I will say that I will give Maryland a ton of credit because, you know, I, I think that the thought process for uh, Maryland has always been own the DMV and uh, – you know, you could build a really good program by getting the best players in that area of the country. And I don't know that Maryland has, you know, succeeded in that. I bet you if you ask Coach Loxley that, you know, how to grade himself, like, do you think that you've become the the go-to place for prospects in that area? I mean, he might get some mixed reviews. But the one thing I will say is that when there's a five-star prospect in D.C., like Maryland gives it all, all they've got, you know, and uh, 
you know, with Rakim Jarrett and some of the guys that they've gotten in the last few years, I mean, they've had some big time signees and, you know, Maryland didn't make it easy on anybody here. So they, they get some credit from me. They didn't get them, but you know, when you start going up against Oregon and I mean, I guess now South Carolina's in that mix. You got an SEC program up there. It's just hard to close. Um, yeah, they, they had an in-home visit. If my, if I'm yeah, correct. and they, I think they, he went to Maryland like seventy times. Yeah. So, and part of that is because you can get in the car and drive there. It's not that far, but you know, I think going into Tuesday evening, the thought process was that Harbor was going to end up at Oregon, and we were going to have another Oregon signing day, uh, you know, party. You know, another Dan Lanning smoking a cigar, you know, type situation. And of course, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't say uh, that Oregon also got Roderick Pleasant on Wednesday, who's the top 100 player out of uh, out of California that USC really wanted, and he's a he's a corner. So you know that was still a great day for Oregon to add another top 100 player to their class. But you know, to me, the story of the day uh, is South Carolina's continued growth, um, not just with the way that they finished last year on the field beating Tennessee and Clemson, but now it kind of you know, ending with an exclamation point in last year's class and getting who I think might be the most talented physically uh, five-star prospect or player in the 2023 cycle. And uh, looking up into the 2024 cycle, they already have three top 150 players committed and they might get another top 50 offensive tackle out of their own state. So, you know, South Carolina has got a ways to go before they're, you know, competing to win the SEC because of just the sheer, the sheer uh, number of, players that are going to places like Georgia and Alabama and LSU. Um, but when you talk about direction and, you know, reason to believe in growth, you know, that's what you pay a coach for. And, you know, the the long discussions that we always have, and, you know, I think one of the biggest stories right in the first six months of working together that I wrote was how do you build a program? Um, and the number one reason why Clemson has been such a unicorn in that regard, Mitch, is because, uh, you know, when coaches get it going good early, they leave for better jobs. And when coaches have it going bad early, they get fired. And nobody's ever been given the benefit of the doubt, uh, you know, long term the way they maybe even Jim Harbaugh has now, you know, with two consecutive uh, wins over Ohio State. So, you know, Shane Beamer doesn't strike me as somebody who's just going to bolt. So, if, you know, this could be the beginning of something not, you know, I don't know that I think they're going to turn into Georgia. But this could be the beginning of another SEC team doing a very good job um, and becoming a, a top 15, top 10 program. Um, and they have the infrastructure. They've got the fans. They've got the geography. They've got the conference. Like everything, you know, the financial situation when, you know, those mega conferences arrive. I mean, it's all there for them. And it seems like they have the right coach. And, you know, I, I think the one thing, Mitch, and, you know, stop me from rambling, but that we that I've tend right. to, I've tend to do in, in the past is overreact to individual commitments. But you you tell me, like, how big of a deal is this for you? Well, I'm going to pull an Ari. If I just said what you said, I have a feeling you might come in and say, how many top 100 guys did South Carolina sign? Yeah, well, that's not the well, point I was making. How many did Georgia sign? Yeah, sure. I just said that they weren't no. Georgia and they were going to be Georgia. Right. No, my my no. point so is, is that they, I, they, I think it's, I'm, I'm half kidding. I think it's massive. Um, but what I, what I do think is, is when you plant a flower in your garden and you see the first leaf sprout up, you don't go, well, it's not a tree yet. I mean, you see the potential to grow into something. And I'm not saying that South Carolina is going to turn into a, an oak tree with wing, uh, with rings in the middle, you know, but there is growth and there is improvement in a short amount of time there. And when you're paying a coach, um, you know, and extending him the way that South Carolina did, 
you know, it's it's nice to get dividends, big or small. I think it's I think it's huge. Yeah, no, no doubt. And he is a um, really exciting player, too. It's uh, any five stars important in South Carolina. We, we wrote this today. I think it's maybe like their seventh five star of the modern recruiting era. They got, you know, they've they've had some Jadavon Clowney, obviously an exciting player. Offensive linemen are important. Defensive tackles are important. They had Jordan Birch, but he's a guy that it's, it's just he is going to be in highlight reels. He is a world-class athlete, wants to run in the Olympics. Um, interesting thing, Grace Rainer talked to Shane Beamer, and he said they're going to play him at wide receiver. He was a tight end slash wide receiver in high school. And part of the reason is because they want to kind of protect him from track. Like he, Shane quote was like, I know football is a physical game no matter where you play, but maybe having him block rush ends, you know, uh, defensive ends isn't the best thing for him or for us. So he compared him to sort of like the way Florida used Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts was a listed as a mm-hmm. tight end, but was used as a wide receiver. So I think he's going to be an exciting, you know, exciting option for them. He's going to run track at, um, at uh, South Carolina. That's another thing for South Carolina to beat out of Oregon for a kid who wants to run track, you know, Oregon. Does Oregon have a really good track program? Uh, you have Phil Knight. The founder Nike. of Nike? Yeah. They kind of, you know, track background there. They, like the national championships are in Eugene every year, I believe. Um, I didn't know that Oregon had it. I don't know the hierarchy of track programs. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I don't know if they're like win national championships or anything, but I know Oregon has a very good track program. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's just in, in you saw, I'm sure you saw the clips of uh, Shane Beamer reacting in his office. They, they, they filmed him. He felt pretty good about it that he was going to get him, but you never know until they announce. And you know, you you complimented Maryland for being in there, but as we know, there's no, there's not mm-hmm. much of a consolation. I would say there's no consolation for being the runner up in this in the transfer porter era. There is a consolation for sometimes for runner up kids transferring home, but just the look on Shane Beamer's face, like he offered him as a freshman or a sophomore when he got the job. Yeah, it was like uh, it's one of his first two offers, right? Yeah, he recruited him when he was the uh, tight ends coach at tight ends special teams coach at uh, Oklahoma. He was the that was his recruiting area. He went in there to go uh, recruit someone else and, and met uh, became aware of him. So, yeah, I just well, the, the interesting discussion there, I guess we, we could take two minutes on is yeah, you know, a lot of people like viewed him as an edge rusher, uh, but it seems to me that receiver slash Kyle Pitts is the perfect example of it because really, Mitch. Or like a, a perfect example of like where he might project well to because, I mean, there are not a lot of pe- people on the face of the earth who are as large as him who can run as fast as he can. Like we're talking about a man who has a potential to rush the passer in college, but also runs Olympic qualifying track times. Um, and like think about that. That's like the NFL's, uh, you know, NFL's dream. So, you know, I the first person I really thought of when I when I thought about that was that clip of DK Metcalf. Uh, running down uh, Buda Baker in that Cardinals game a few years ago, you know, after the interception, it's like, that's the type of athlete that South Carolina is getting. And I think Kyle Pitts is a good example of just athleticism, speed and size that can really, uh, you know, change some stuff there. But yeah, I, I, I can't stress enough how incredible that is. And I'm very curious to see if South Carolina is going to sign a top 15 class in the 2024 cycle. They they finished 16, a few decimal points away out of 15. And for that program, you know, especially considering the fact that they're really hanging in there in the, in the state with Clemson in 24. So, you know, 
all those old South Carolina teams that were awesome did it with South Carolina talent, and that was before Clemson was uh, or became what they are now. Imagine if they do that again with Clemson being who they are. You know, I think South Carolina is a legitimate threat to the region, um, and it's super exciting if you're a Gamecock fan. And we talked about this last week. Recruiting at a high level is nothing new for this program. They, they had the number 14 class in 2019, 17 and 11, 15 in 2012, 20, 19, 20, 25, 21, 18, 21. So they, they've been a top 20 recruiting program. And, and again, as we've mentioned, it has they have taken advantage of some really good in-state talent to prop up their class. So that's what makes this even more interesting. Kind of what you're just getting at, like Kyle Pitts was one of the more – impactful college offensive players in recent years, I'd say. Wouldn't you, is that fair? I mean, maybe. Yeah, especially one of the most unique, probably. Yeah. So, but what, what's, what position I think the, the coaches will tell you, like, is the, if you can rush the passer, like that freaks who can rush the passer impact the game more than probably wide receivers. So um, it's interesting that this kid, I don't know if he's Nicholas. Yeah. No, and we'll see what, it, what happens, yeah. you know, when they get him on the field up there. But uh, yeah, I mean, and to go into DC and get him, uh, it just great recruiting all around and hats off to them. Yeah. So um, we will be talking more South Carolina uh, and, and check out Grace's story. Um, it's filed today. It's it's live on Harvard. Talk to the coach. Talk to uh, Shane Beamer as well. So, okay, Jaden Rashad, something we did not expect to happen, has uh, he committed to Arizona State. And if you have not seen any official tweets or anything from Arizona State, we don't – they basically cannot do it because he's not signing a national letter of intent because he already signed one with Ford, and we believe you can't sign two in one cycle. So you don't have to sign a national letter of intent. You can just show up, and he will – you know, he will be at Arizona State. So um, happy for the kid. It's over, I guess. Everyone knows what he's been through. Uh, seems like it's a pretty good landing spot for him. There's relationship there from uh, when, when Kenny Dillingham was in Oregon and his dad, Harlan, played at Arizona State. Um, it is our belief and people have kind of reported this, that NIL was, there's basically no factor at all that there wasn't NIL, you know, surely if he goes to Arizona state and has a good career, he will make some money off of his name image. Did I say NIL, NLI, whatever. I might've misspoke. NIL. Yeah. He will make some money off of his name, image and likeness. There is a, it's a competitive quarterback battle. I think uh, Doug Holler contributed to that story we wrote today. I think they might have six scholarship quarterbacks. I'm sure they won't have after the spring. Uh, Drew Pine from Notre Dame is one of the transfers in there. So um, glad to see, I guess, this the drama's over. Hope the kid can have a normal college career now and just kind of we'll, we'll see what happens. He's a top 100 player. He's not a no fight, no doubt about it. Plug him in. He's going to be great. Um, like most quarter, you know, that's pretty much the case with most quarterbacks there. So uh, it's it's over. It is funny because when you think about all the stuff that has happened in his recruitment, like the winding road that you, you know, usually, you know, or have followed with him, he just signed or picked a school on national signing day. So it's like, he still (laughs) arrived with a spot in a power five uh, conference at the end of the road, like a bunch of his peers. Um, That said, uh, Arizona State wasn't much of a factor in his recruitment at all during the the meat of it, and and maybe that was financially based, or maybe it wasn't. And the one thing that I hope for Jaden more than anything is that he can find personal fulfillment in you know where he is and what he's doing, uh, because it does seem like uh, there were different landing spots uh, during his recruitment, whether it be Miami, Florida, or now Arizona State, and you know what he truly wants to do with his own life. Um, so I. 
am excited to see how it pans out. I'm certainly excited to see how he um, uh, develops there. And it's it's funny because I I was really high on the Kenny Dillingham hire. Um, you and, made it happen. That's, that's, yeah, I'm his agent, but yeah. I I think that uh, that's a nice step in the first class, right? I mean, not even this first full class yet to get a top 100 player at the quarterback position. And, you know, he had Dante Moore committed to Oregon at a certain point when he was the offensive coordinator up there in Eugene. Um, I I think that this is good for both sides. And, you know, if it gets back to football, like there's money in Phoenix, there's people who, you know, he'll, he'll find his way to financial freedom if he does his part and plays well and gets, you know, uh, you know, gets as good as I think that he could be through that development. And, you know, Arizona State is, is certainly hurting for a guy to, perform at a level at that position. I mean, when's the last time they've had a really great quarterback? Was it Jaden Daniels that one year before he committed to or transferred to the LSU? And even then, yeah. I don't know if he was I great think yet. Maybe his freshman year was. Uh, yeah. Uh, who's the really tall guy that played for the Broncos? Brock, Brock, uh, Osweiler. Brock Osweiler. Yeah. You know. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. One thing about this, and, and not that like if he went to Florida or anywhere and he was making, making signed a huge NIL deal that a coach is going to play him because he has that NIL deal. But like the fact that he's just going there, as you call him, just sort of a normal recruit, he can develop. Like it's not if he's not if he takes if he red shirts and takes time to develop, it's like it's not there's like not going to be that added pressure. Like there's this kid who signed this big NIL deal. Why why isn't he playing? So he can just sort of just I'm yeah. not gonna say it's gonna be he's always gonna have this attached to him. But like I said before, hope hope he can have some normalcy. I want to go back to one thing about Harbor because I had a stat that I, you know how I love my stats. Yeah, you got your stat. stats, pal. Yeah, go ahead. So Harbor is the third. I don't know how good Washington, D.C. high school football is. Obviously, there's some teams there because, you know, Harbor plays at Archbishop Carroll. But Harbor's the third five-star prospect from D.C. in the last four recruiting cycles. 
joining Rakeem Jarrett in 2020, Maryland, and Caleb Williams, 2021, signed with Oklahoma, obviously, at USC now. I went back quickly if I was – I don't think there was a five-star uh, in the previous, like, six, seven, eight years. So I don't know if this is just a happenstance, but something – you know, it's good for Maryland. They, You know, they got Jarrett. Um, they got one of the three, but obviously if there can be some – better players coming out of D.C. again, but it could be just... I mean, when you think about how big D.C. is from a landmass area, it's a very small place in comparison to states. So um, that uh, in and of itself, like having that many good players in a short amount of time is kind of remarkable. And, you know, I kind of just view D.C. as part of the DMV. And I know that that crosses over three different territories, but it's all kind of one general area. And it's like you could be in the state of Virginia, but also live in D.C., right? Yeah, or like yeah, exist I mean, in yeah, DC. I'm sure a lot of the kids who go to high school in DC probably um, live in Virginia or Maryland too. Some and how far schools. is Baltimore from DC? Like a half hour? Uh, I think like or 45, further than that. 45 yeah. minutes. Yeah, depends so, on. So it's kind of you know all one area to me. But yeah, I, uh, I took my AP English exam at uh, Gonzaga High School in DC on a school trip. Did not you go did? Well. Yeah, I was on a I was on a school trip. And uh, that was the week we had to take our AP English test. So a bunch of us had to go to Gonzaga High School. Was it proctored or did you cheat? I, I wouldn't have cheated if it wasn't proctored. I don't I don't remember what it was like. I don't know if you can cheat on an English AP test. I don't really remember what they're all, all yeah. about. Um, all right. Got a, some some bullet point notes here, but um, I thought I had I thought I was on to something. Like I noticed that only four of the top ten schools in the rankings our SEC schools, Alabama, mm-hmm. Georgia, LSU, and Tennessee. Yep. But that's no big deal. Only three of the 10 were last year. Four of the 10 and 21, and now six Isn't of the 10 and 20. Where the depth comes in is the top 25. It's nine it's like, of the top 25 and 23, 10 and 22, nine and 21, yeah. nine and 20. So it's like that's the funniest thing that, that you think about, like you just said. South Carolina has traditionally recruited well. If you think about South Carolina's reputation in the SEC, they're still like the 20th most talented team in college football, and they stink in the SEC or have stunk. Um, So it's like that's also too like Tennessee, I think, one year had signed. This is the stat that blew me away. They signed the number 10 overall class in the country. I think it was three years ago, and they were number seven in their own conference. It's like, yeah, but the depth of it too. It's like, you know, most conferences when you get – like into the Pac-12 and maybe some even the Big Ten programs, um, you know, with the Big 12, you know, the bottom half of a Power 5 conference are finishing in between 40 and 70. You know, that doesn't really happen. I mean, where did Vanderbilt even finish? Were they last? In the SEC? Yeah. Yeah. And where did they finish sure. overall? You, uh, know? you don't know that off the top of your head? It was down from last year. It was like 50 or something. Okay. It was like 31 last year. It's 50 this year. Um, that's going back to – South Carolina, another point we need to make is their their late season push. I mean, it was obviously great for this year's team, but how much – we can't quantify this, but how much does that mean for this program going forward? Like, how much easier is Shane Beamer sell? Like, does Nicholas Harbor go to South Carolina if they don't beat Tennessee and, and Clemson? We don't, we don't know. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah. But it, I'm sure it's it's making their pitch on the, uh, on the road this offseason – a lot better. Yeah, I mean, um, look at the direction. Here's the stat, Mitch. Uh, ten, 12 out of the 14 teams in the SEC signed top 30 classes. Yep. So, I mean, that's co- sort of like we talked about 
little bit of a tangent here. I brought this point up a lot. When Sam Pittman take, took over and had immediate success or relative success, he was taking over a talented roster that had just mm-hmm. bottomed out. Yeah. So they just needed some normalcy, some leadership, and some good coaching, and that's what they got. And it was, and you can argue the same thing in South Carolina. Shane Beamer came in. There was talent on the roster, and you know, took them a little, took them a year, maybe a year and a half, and then they got they started playing better. I think um, in Sam Pittman's first year at Arkansas, they were the 19th most talented team in college football. And then the year before, they were, they were so, ter- yeah, yeah, they were terrible the year before. Yeah. Insane, insane stuff there, buddy. Um, okay. So we looked at this earlier about um, how many programs had um, an average player rating of 90 or above to just kind of see about the talent. Is this a just trivia question? question? No, no. Um, 15 teams in 2023 had an average player rating of 90 above 12 did in 2022 and 15 did in 2019 i went back three or four years so i don't know if that's saying much how many Um, were this year again 15 five are in the sec okay so two two teams had 94 better three did last year so again not not totally sure what this means um but just throwing some numbers Here's something I thought was kind of funny. I was thinking about it. The 2022 playoff teams and quarterback signees. Number one seed, Georgia, did not sign a quarterback. Number mm-hmm. two seed, Michigan, did not sign a quarterback. Number three seed, TCU, did not sign a quarterback. Number four seed, Ohio State, stole Lincoln Kineholtz from Washington at the last minute. He's number 189, uh, but was a three-star throughout much of the process. So, yeah, that Just is kind of out. an interesting happenstance. TCU would have signed one uh, if they yes they tried. If the things end. would have yeah. gone differently on on Wednesday, but uh, they were the runner up in the Rashada sweepstakes. But yeah, that's and all of them are in different situations. Like, right. like Georgia, Georgia has like three five star prospects on their team, and they have uh, a 2024 kid already. Michigan has a returning starter and is all in on Jaden Davis the next year. Right. Uh, TCU, I think, probably needs one the most, uh, and they might go get a few at least for depth in the transfer portal. And then Ohio State has a quarterback battle between Devin Brown and Kyle McCord. So uh, they're they're all kind of in different places. And I think that's just a reminder that, you know, I, don't, I personally don't think you need a quarterback in every class. And some right. coaches will say, hey, we need to have four scholarship guys on our roster uh, at that position at any given time. We don't want any San Francisco 49ers situations where Christian McCaffrey's throwing the rock. Um, and then others think it's a waste. I mean, I think it's a waste of a scholarship. If you ever get to the point where you need to play your fourth quarterback in a season, that's probably all all's lost already at that point anyway. So, yeah, uh, but I like the, the thought process on there. And then of course, uh, in the portal, you can kind of mend, uh, depth issues quickly if you need to. Right. Um, the final top 100 count. Now one players, we should have mentioned this earlier. Deuce Robinson is uncommitted, uh, five-star tight end from Phoenix, is not signing this week. Uh, USC, Georgia, Texas, Alabama also wants to play baseball. So we'll see what happens there. I am hearing and I've seen that the uh, major league baseball draft could have an impact on his decision. Yes. Now he told great. His dad told grace in the story she did about three or four weeks ago that the thought of not going to college and just playing baseball, they had not even talked about that yet. Like, so I don't know if that's a, When's the uh, Major League Baseball draft? June. Um, Oh, it's June? Yeah. it's Last year, it was the week after the college baseball season. I know you don't follow this at all. This is just one of the crazier things. For years and years and years, 
the major league draft took place on a Monday in the middle of the baseball postseason while teams were often playing. Like guys could be pitching or playing shortstop and they could be drafted in the first round while that was going on. Isn't that kind of weird? What? Like in college? Yes. So the major the major league draft was like on Monday in June, and it was usually the weekend of the Super Regionals, which is the final round before the college. Oh, World of the college baseball season, because it's also yeah. in the middle of the regular season. It'd be like yes. if the NFL yes. draft were held in October. Right. Well, that, that's because they want to get all these amateur players who've just finished their college and high school seasons to, into the minors already. So that's why they do it then. Oh, so like okay. you play high school baseball and you get drafted, you just go right to the minors or whatever. Like and it's that. like right away. Right away. I mean, like you could just like college coaches will tell you it's like the cruelest like football season ends. You know, some some of the guys might be. Yeah, you got like six months before you got to do anything. Right. Like baseball, they get home and you got a team meeting and guys are either going to play summer ball and you won't see them till the spring till till the fall or they're just they've signed and they're going to play minor league baseball. You're just going to Um, Rancho Cucamonga just overnight. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Build in some apartment and uh, go eat at Bennigan's. Uh, Did you know? Time. I don't know if you know this because, like, I have a very uh, loose relationship with baseball. I'm in a dynasty baseball league with a buddy, um, and he's the one who kind of keeps up with like the prospects and stuff. Um, but my first internship out of, um, or while I was in college, was working for MLB.com, and I was the minor league specialist. Seriously? And I lived, yeah, and I lived in Fresno. And my job for the summer was to drive to all these minor league places and write feature stories about prospects for MLB.com. And they were usually features and stuff, but like there was a, have you ever been to Fresno? No, I have not. Uh, I lived in Fresno because Fresno Grizzlies have a triple A team. That's the affiliate of the San Francisco giants. And they play in this beautiful stadium. That's like a carbon copy or like, at least done by the same architect that did the giant stadium, which is one of the best stadiums in baseball. And I was just driving around through San Francisco and, uh, you know, Rancho Cucamonga. I went to inland empire, all these different places, like going to minor league minor and like one, I don't remember what team it was, but trot Nixon was making a a rehab appearance in triple a. And they sent me to this, to this minor league game to write about how his rehab was going for MLB.com. And it's like, I thought baseball was really cool back then, but I knew really nothing about it and still don't. I would love to read that story. Does it exist? Oh anywhere? God, I've, I, I, I've tried to find some of these cause it was on, online. Um, God, I was terrible. Can I go back and look, edit it? I want to go back ever, and edit it and repost it. Well, I mean, I was 17 years old or what? 19. <laughs> like what just, do you think I was writing like Wright Thompson back then? I mean, I was just trying to learn how to do the job. <laughs> Uh, but it, like, That's do you ever go back and read your stories in the hustler and go, wow, I should have won a reward for this. I have gone back recently and read and I'm horrified by certain things and certain things like, Hey, that wasn't too bad. Um, but, um, that's actually in all seriousness. That sounds like a good job to kind of cut your teeth on journalistically. Dude, the thing is I got like paid, like they gave <laughs> me a ton of money and then they were paying. I had my dad's old Honda Accord with me and they were paying me 25 cents or 30 cents back in 2010 or 2009 driving hundreds of miles and they were reimbursing my mileage and I was driving all (laughs) over California. I was like, I was getting checks for like two grand on mileage reimbursements on a car that might've been worth 11,000 bucks. And there was a (laughs) casino five minutes away from my apartment. And I was living there 
I had no friends. I had no relationships with anybody. I was there alone for the summer. So what did I do? I went uh, to the casino all the time during my free time, and just played poker. And that's kind of how it started. And I remember <laughs> one time it was called uh Chachansky casino. And it was like out in the middle of nowhere and there was no cell service. And I went and I played in a poker tournament and I was playing it for like 14 straight hours. And my parents couldn't get a hold of me because my phone wasn't ringing. And my dad said like they were in the car on the way to Fresno to Fresno to come find me because they couldn't figure out where I was when I called them. Fun I story. can see that as a parent. I'm panicking. Had, when yeah. You, when you get you have trouble getting in touch with your kid, you, you kind of panic a little bit. Um, well, that's, that's a good story. Um, okay. Yeah, I can't final, believe it's been like 15 years since then. Yeah. So I don't know how we got down that road. Final, because we started talking about Deuce Robinson uncommitted. Then we started talking baseball. Okay. Final top 100 count. Um, Alabama signed 14. Georgia signed 12. Texas signed eight. Oklahoma and Ohio State signed five, seven. LSU yeah. and A&M five. USC, Tennessee, Clemson, Miami, Penn State signed four. Oregon signed three. Florida, Notre Dame, Ole Miss signed two, and he, these schools signed one. Utah, UCF, TCU, Colorado, Florida State, Kansas State, Auburn, UCLA, Michigan State, Nebraska, Arizona State, and South Carolina. So, so if you take Alabama and Georgia and then the two or three teams that had seven, or is it two teams or three teams? Two teams? One team at eight and two teams at seven. Okay, so that is six total teams or five? Yes. So it's 48 48 signed with five schools. So that's 48. Yeah. Yeah. Half of the top 100 signed with five schools. Now, the thing that's cool is that a few new schools are in there. So Texas A&M still has its, you know, 12 or whatever, or 11 or 15 of the 15 they signed a year ago. No, they signed 18. So they might have like 14 or 15 uh, that are still on A&M's roster. And now Texas is getting eight. Um, and you have some, you know, Maybe that'll spread. It doesn't always have to happen in one class, right? Like it could happen if if the teams that are in that mix change every year. Um, that, that might be a nice way to spread the stuff around a little bit. So, you know, mm-hmm. good for Texas because they signed a really, really good class this year. And, uh, you know, A&M had a smaller class and, you know, kind of went back down to earth a little bit. But the one thing I got to say is if you think that Alabama is slipping or that this is Georgia's sport now and Alabama's just not going to be heard from again, they signed nine five-star prospects this past a record. year. And in a theory, record. they could sign Deuce Robinson, right? A year after missing the playoff. Yeah. So, or weeks after, but the same year they missed the playoff. And then the year before, they they lost in the national championship game, of course. But, like, if you don't think that Alabama... Do you think that they will win another national title under Nick Saban? Because I do. I do, too. I think it might be next year. I'm more concerned about the quarterback situation. I'm not. Okay. I'd feel better if Bryce Young were coming back. Yeah, and Georgia's quarterback situation, they got Dan Marino back there next year? I don't think so. So, I mean, okay, it's very easy to play quarterback at those schools. I think. It's easier, yes. It's easier. 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 Yeah. Um, I mean, what hell, Georgia went with a walk-on, right? Anybody can do it. <laughs> it's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Okay. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bounce around a little bit here. Oregon got uh, Roderick Pleasant today, Mm -hmm. uh, one of the four top 100 guys who was uncommitted. I think he's 79 now. Uh, Big, kind of big loss for USC, Southern California kid going to Oregon. Um, Just. And Oregon jumped into the top 10 on that commitment. They did. So they're number eight now, which is a, a nice little. Yeah, I had Tennessee at eight. So did Tennessee drop to nine or is Tennessee seven? Do you have Tennessee is nine? Okay. Um, Notre Dame finished tenth. Man, that stunk because people thought they had a chance of finishing in the top three. Um, ten, uh, Notre Dame is the only team in the top ten that signed zero five star prospects. What? It, what? What? USC. USC is 14th. twelve. Okay. I, you don't need to do the class calculator, but the only sign, the only thing that can happen right now, barring any sort of late, like get someone switching schools, getting out of their letter, is Deuce Robinson going to USC. Would that be enough to get them in the top 10? How close are they um, to the... Uh, how about I just do it real quick? Okay. Because if he goes to Texas or Alabama, Georgia, that's obviously that, the, you know, Texas isn't going to c- catch Georgia, I don't think. So... Yeah, I think we're we're basically at the end here. Um, yeah. And, and USC is really pushing hard for Deuce Robinson. And, you know, the thing that we have to mention, too, is that they got the kid... Um, Walker Lyons. Walker Lyons, who's a fringe top 100 player who was committed to Stanford. He's a really, really good player at the tight end position. So, you know, I don't think Deuce cares about the depth charts at any of these yeah. places because he's that good. And Georgia has like 97 tight ends on their roster. Um, but I think it could potentially make a huge difference. So if you add Deuce Robinson into the mix, it brings their total up to 292.1. Um and 292.1 would be yes it would make it would make them number oh they could jump up quite a bit see it's funny you say it because i was i don't they think they could south, jump up into the top seven if they do that because south carolina did not move up after getting harbor i don't believe because there was a huge gap between 15 and 16 at the time is south yeah. carolina still 16 south carolina is 16 i bet they're really close to 15 right uh, very close to 15 because I did this the other day because I figured they'd move up and they didn't. They went from a distant 16th to a close 16th. So, okay. So that might change. I need to hold off entering all these numbers in my spreadsheets. Um, yeah, because, just give it some time, maybe a few more months until this yeah. comes through. But you know, the thing that I think is interesting about USC and it's kind of like the same problem that Ohio state has. It's like, you know, Ohio state signed its fewest, uh, amount of five-star prospects in a single class in like five years and only had 20 commitments, but their average player ranking is 93.62. But if you take a deeper look at Ohio state's class, three of their seven top 100 players are receivers, right? So like you wonder, you know, in the same year when Alabama and Georgia combined for almost 30 top 100 players, Ohio state really only signed four non receiver top 100 players so there's a huge talent gap like if you extrapolated these classes into three years if ohio state played them in year four after three classes like this with this disparity they get their butts kicked um and so like i look at usc and i think oh well you know they signed a really good class number 12 overall and they've got uh you know 
two five-star prospects, but one's a receiver and one's a quarterback, and the third best player is a receiver. Um, then you have an edge and, and, and a linebacker, but like, they, don't, they don't, I mean, they're not addressing yeah. their needs, and they have to have more elite talent on the defensive side of the ball. And Tackett Curtis is a, is a number 108 overall. They just dropped so a really good player. Uh, I know there was really a top 100 and yeah. uh, Braylon Shelby out of Texas. The edge rusher is a top 100 player. But if you go back, you know, past those guys, then there's a stark drop off at the bottom of USC's class. I mean, they have a defensive lineman at rank nine eleven, defensive lineman ranked eight sixty nine, um, and another defensive line four seventy seven. I'm not saying that those guys stink, but like, it's just not where it needs to be in order to win a national championship or win a playoff game. And I'm concerned about my status in this uh, in this race with Andy to the playoff. Yeah. I was uh, a quarter away, and now I feel like I've never been further. Yeah. Now they did. They added three. Uh, power five guys in the portal two from washington one from uh, two from florida one from washington state um so they, they did two starters it. from florida right yeah two stars from florida and i the washington state guy was a starter as well and then they, they added a uh the number two receiver in, in the pac-12 in yardage um and yards per game from arizona so obviously they've, they've done well in the portal well, everybody's there. bagging on iowa and rightfully so on wednesday because kirk ferentz announced that they weren't going to be making any staff changes surprised that uh, USC's defensive coordinator is still there. Yeah, and Antonio has written about it a lot. A lot of it is sort of personnel. They just don't think the personnel was there next year. I'd be, if they don't improve a lot, I'd be surprised if he's back after next year. It's sort of like, I, I get why they made the move. I think the the popular move among the fans would have been made, and the, the acceptable move would have been to make a change. But, you know, coaches are loyal, and I think it's fair to say, their defensive talent just was not good. Like the, some of the transfers they brought in, they, they're they're bringing guys that weren't playing. They weren't starters or all conference caliber guys at other schools. So like, what makes you think that you're going to just plug them into your lineup and they're going to make a big difference? Well, that's my thing. It's like there's two different discussion points here. It's one, your personnel wasn't very good, so your team struggled because the personnel wasn't up to snuff. But what has he done on the recruiting circuit or the transfer circuit to address that? Right, and which so is that, nothing. So it, it's like, what is going to happen? They're going to the clock's going to strike midnight again next year, and they're going to get shredded. Right, it's so kind of circular logic, or that's the right term. But like, their defense wasn't good because they didn't have good personnel, but they don't have a reputation for being a good defensive team, so they're not attracting those defensive players. They need to get better. But the right so, defensive coordinator attracts could, them, right? That, and if you can't, then you got to find somebody who will. Right. So right. you know, I maybe mean, I'll be wrong about Alex Grinch. We'll see. But like, I just don't know. Like, your car's broken down, so you can't get mad at somebody for missing work when their car doesn't work. But when you find out that they didn't do anything to fix the car or find alternate transportation to get the job done and they don't show up to work, they're still an asshole for it. So like, it's just that maybe you gotta, you're not, maybe you're not paying them enough to fix their car. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that that's an issue. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Um, this was noteworthy. You, you uh, mentioned these two guys in your kind of what to watch for story last week that the Harris twins, did you see they split up? Andrew Harris is going to UCF and Michael Harris is going to Maryland. I cannot believe that happened, but parents, yes, I did parents see have got to be pissed. I mean, I just don't know. I wouldn't have, I mean, I've, I don't have a twin, but like, I would just like, that's my guy. I can't believe they did it. <laughs> imagine if you were you in the womb together. Imagine if you had a twin. They'd probably be I do have different. a buddy that is a very good friend of mine. And we always say we were in the womb together, even though we weren't, I don't know why we say that, but uh, every time I see him, we just is, slap hands and say, go Landis. It's not Bill Landis. Landis doesn't return my phone calls anymore. So. Really? No. Wow. 
Or he does. He he'll text back, but if I try to FaceTime him, no go. He used to pick up. He doesn't pick up. Well, he's like a, he's anymore. probably like a dad. He looks. He's not, not sleeping. He's disheveled. He's not as handsome as normal. I don't think he cares what he looks like when <laughs> we talk. Okay, Landis, if you're afraid of being, you think you look ugly. Just know that's a safe space when I FaceTime you. All right, but <laughs> okay, I like this. It's a cry for help. Um, <laughs> not a great day for a new Stanford coach, Troy Taylor. Um, they lost L.J. Martin to BYU, flipped, and Cameron Brand flipped to Michigan two top 500 players, then obviously I don't know how serious they were for Walker Lyons, a one-time Stanford commit, but we know that rebuild is going to be more difficult than normal because of Stanford's inability to attract or not attract to admit transfers there. So um, not what you want to see from a new staff. No one's judging them on this first class because he's a, it's a new staff, but to lose top two top 500 guys on signing day, as I would say, not ideal. Yeah, no I still comments? Have, uh, no, I, I think that Stanford should be awesome, and they're not. And I think maybe it's easier said than done, but that is well, feel like we are we, we're we're going to tease our recruiting project coming up. I don't even remember where I ranked them. Yeah, so we are well, we're, we're ranking recruiting. Um, we're getting eight staff members to rank recruit the the Power Five, which is now sixty nine teams, one through sixty nine, on how well they should be, how and how well they like their potential to recruit. And we're including the coaching. It's not like when program ranking. Sometimes we just say blank slate, no coach. This is we're we're factoring in that Deion Sanders is at Colorado. We're factoring in that Nick Saban's still at Alabama. So, um, do you remember be, where you ranked them? Uh, pretty high. Um, okay, I did it pretty high. Yeah, where'd you have them? We, we thirty. I, th- I didn't have them quite that high, but um, yeah, it's a program that has historically our last 10, 15 years, they have always been able to, I think, I don't know if this was just anecdotally from following it, seemingly like they, they, they've got their classes are top heavy, like because it's Stanford and they'll sign some top bunch of top 100 guys. Like, I don't know if they have the depth of some other really good classes, but they can always find three to four to five top 250 guys that want to go there and that has not been the case as much in recent years. And they always had they had good, good run of signing. Good a lot of people say that academics are a part of their decision-making process. And it's like the amount of money it costs to go to Stanford and the amount of money you'll likely make if you graduate from Stanford is such an insanely attractive sales pitch to the right person. I'm surprised that they are dormant in recruiting. I'm not saying they're well, going to they sign they, a they Georgia a top 20 class. class. They had a top 20 class a few years ago. Yeah, no, I'm saying I, I'm surprised you don't sign the top 20 class annually because you want to talk about NIL and being tempted for financial reasons. It might not come in the form of a Jansport bag filled up on your porch, but <laughs> there's a lot of financial value in that offer. Yes. Um, Ryan Grubb is staying at Washington, flirted with Texas A&M, actually went down to Alabama. According to most, he turned down Alabama, wants to stay there, wants to be a head coach. It's a great situation at Washington, working with Michael Penix Jr. My question to you is how is much he afraid of, a, of the SEC? Now, how much of a boost oh. is that to Washington recruiting? Now they, they go on the road and say, look at look what we've done in, in year one. And our offensive coordinator said no to Texas AM if he was offered. Said yeah. no to Alabama. I think some of you, you Yeah, you, staff you, continuity is important for sure. You know, and you know, saying no to Alabama, uh, that's something. You know, if I wanted to be a head coach, I would probably work at Alabama. <laughs> yeah, it's like the number one place to work if you want to be a head coach. But, but if, if Ryan Grubb's a West West Coast guy, yeah, yeah, and, and they do what they did again last year, and, yeah, and Penix takes another step forward. The guy's got a rocket for an arm. Yeah, I, I could see that, and yeah. you know the 
the confidence that he has and what's on that roster and what they could accomplish is is certainly a a feather in the cap. Yeah, and he's and he, Kalen DeBoer, they've worked together, good friends. Now, so today Washington got a commitment from 2024 four-star Austin Mack from Folsom, California. Interesting thing about him, Ari, he's 356 in the composite, but he's 53 in the 247. Hasn't been evaluated. Hasn't been evaluated by everyone. So I've heard, talked to uh, some, uh, Christian Capel thinks that, our Washington writer thinks that he could be a potential five-star down the, down the road. Like he's yes, a guy that, that sounds like a story I'd want to read. Yeah. Um, so a really good get there. And, you know, they, they found an under, I don't know if he's that much under the radar, but uh, he's Stanford and Oregon and offered. Last year, they found an under the radar guy in, in Kineholtz and had him into the last minute. And then. Uh, Got their what, lunch money taken. Yeah. From Exactly. But so. the state of Washington has three top 100 players in it, uh, six top 125 players in it, uh, in the in the two four seven rankings. Uh, in the composite, they have two top 100 players. So depending on what you think about when uh, you know doing the rankings, if you think 24 sevens on the ball, that seems that they think that it's a deeper state than the composite would indicate. Um, and I'm curious to see, especially with Jason Brown. Uh, the four-star uh, running back out of O'Dowd. I mean, this kid's got offers from Alabama, Georgia, Texas, and you know Washington's right there in the thick of this. I would just like to see, and I've been giving them crap for years, and I it's just like go close, man, just go close it. Yeah, I mean, it, and they've got a lot of momentum right now, clearly. Yeah. And I saw Sam Heward, um, Cal Poly, transfer to Cal Poly, which didn't see that one coming. Yeah, his uh, high school offensive coordinator is the offensive coordinator there now. And um, I think he just wants to play. You know, there's so many, most schools now that you could transfer to, it's hard to get guaranteed playing time. And he really hasn't played. He's he's played minimal snaps in his uh, two years. So uh, we'll see what happens there. A couple notes. Most 2024 commitments, Georgia and Florida State have nine already. Florida State, blue chip ratio, seven of their nine commitments are blue chippers. Good sign moving forward. LSU has eight commitments. Our old friends at Texas Tech, always off to a fast start um, with seven in Notre Dame with seven. Uh, I believe Notre Dame got off to a, from a number standpoint and a quality standpoint, got off to a really good start last year. As Did well. you look at Georgia's class yet? It's good. How many players out of the nine commitments are top 100? Uh, do, you, do you know? I do. Yeah. Uh, seven. Eight. Holy. Can we say holy shit on this? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Eight of the and, they, and they have no commitments really from from Wait, any of the five stars. Kicker? I don't think they don't have a kicker. I don't. Okay, know I looked at the, one class recently because I was looking at the blue chip and they had a kicker. So like that doesn't really count. They have eight uh, top one hundred players committed out of the nine for. Is the quarterback in the top hundred the kid from Massachusetts? Uh, he, uh, I'm looking to see. No, the kid from Massachusetts is one twenty four. Okay. And, record- and they have they have ten commitments now because they, okay. they added a five star on signing day. Yeah. Um Alice Robinson the fourth committed uh, uh out of IMG, the number thirteen overall. Yeah, can you guys just leave class. us alone? It's twenty three signing day. We don't need any five stars committing on the the lowest player uh rated in the class is four thirty eight and then everybody else is in the top one twenty five. And the kid from Connecticut, the the quarterback um is number one twenty four and Georgia is very much involved with Dylan Rayola. So um, this does, you know, Mr. Overreaction here, this does have the nuts and bolts of the greatest class of all time. Are you calling it? Call it now. Uh, I don't know. Still got nine. They've got to get 10 more top 100 players in this class to outdo Will they beat A&M Texas did. A&M for the best class ever? 
No. Okay. I, I sure think that? that no, <laughs> you made me <laughs> call it. I'm, <laughs> they have to get 10 more top 100 players. And it's like, they already have already 10% of them. <laughs> yeah. So like, I mean, at a certain point, it's got to slow down a little bit. Right. And um, the state is better. The state has more top end talent next year. Yeah. That's the thing too, of the, of the nine or the eight top 100 players that they have um, committed right now. None of the top four players uh, in the state, all of whom are five-star prospects, have committed yet. And there are, I think, six, seven, there's eight more top 100 players in the state that haven't committed yet. So, you know what? I mean, like, and the thing <laughs> that I, I wrote, and you read it, in, but, like, they haven't done that great in their own Did state. You say I, I read it. That's kind of, that's what I do. You, I read, you read it. I read it. I said you read and edited it. Yeah. Um, there are... 16 top 100 players in the state of Georgia in 2024. Was there three last year? Is that what we talked about? I think there were three and there, and only three of those guys are committed to Georgia. So far, the top four in the state are all five-star prospects and Georgia already has eight top 100 players. So like they, you know what? You're calling it. (laughs) I mean, like it's all right there. I mean, and they're really, really hot right now. So I think it's possible that Georgia, yes, I'm calling it. You know what? I'm only half kidding here. It's a pretty good year to be a first-year coach at Georgia Tech. There's a lot of leftovers on the table for, yeah. for, for Brent Key and that staff. Good luck. All right, so we are going. I'm, we don't do this very often. We're not done. we got more to talk about. But a, a school we are going to talk about, I'm teasing to next week because we have a very special guest. We're talking yes. Wisconsin football next week. With Dude, Jesse you're teasing. Temple. Yes, with Jesse Temple. So um, Wisconsin is a program to talk about in recruiting now. Uh, uh, this new staff, yeah. Luke Fickle, they are getting it done. Um, next year's class, they are They're not just going to. They have like be, 17 scholarship quarterbacks on their roster now. Yeah, they've got a lot. They've got a lot. Plus the guy, uh, the 24 kid, Mabry Mattower that you Mature. wrote about. Mature, yeah. excuse me, that you wrote about the uh, Trevor Lawrence lookalike. Um, he looks just like him. Yeah, so we're going to talk about uh, Wisconsin next week with uh, Jesse Temple, and so. we don't mean like he plays like him. His face looks like his. Yes, face. yeah, he's, we got long blonde hair too. Right? Yes, yeah. that's why I think that's part of it. But like he, I wrote a story about him, and in that story, people were like taking pictures with him in the airport because they thought he was Trevor. Yeah. Um, all right, a few mailbag questions. I thought. You handled this well in your written mailbag this week, so I would hey, you thanks, like guy. to address it. Yeah, yeah. I, you do good work. Thanks, guy. Um, this is from John R. There's so much misinformation and lies surrounding NIL deals. As an upset fan, can, an upset an upset fan can tweet out that a University of Oregon NIL collective paid a high school football recruit five million to sign with the Ducks, and the media treats it like fact. While one might think the Oregon Athletic Administration would push back, but given NCAA doesn't care. They let it float around since it actually works positively for the school in luring other athletes out of high school and the transfer portal. So what do you think is the duty of for the media in accurately reporting on NIL deals? I mean, it's not our duty. You know, I, I think that we report what we get, and I think we're going to have a pretty good story about this in the next few days. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we don't report fake numbers. So, you know, people like to blame the media for the world's ills. And it's like there are irresponsible media members out there that post things that they shouldn't post or make things up or do things to get retweets. And, you know, we work at a place where um, 
you know, we try to do it responsibly and it's hard. And we've talked about this. It's really hard to get people to give up numbers and to show proof of those numbers. So when you can't get proof or they refuse to give you the contracts or whatever comes into play, you know, we don't put numbers out there. We can speculate. We can get a feel for it based on, you know, things that are happening, but there's no concrete numbers. And I think that the real lesson here, Mitch, and I'm not a very political person. Okay. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know anything about politics. I won't, I won't expose you by some of the questions you've asked but, me. Yeah. But the little I do know <laughs> is that if you, if you are on one side of the coin from a political standpoint, you tend to consume yes. media that has a slant towards your views already. And of if course. you're on the other side, <laughs> you do another media outlet that reports it in a way that you want to hear it. And the thing that I don't understand about human nature is the whole entire purpose of journalism is to inform, right? And the entire purpose of con- consuming news articles or television is to become informed. And something has happened in our in our society, not in sports and not in politics, but just in every where people only want to read what they already think. And I think that's part of the reason why fan base fan sites have been so uh, successful because people want to read from an angle on a slant that that makes what they think or who they root for look positive in the same way that um, certain websites have uh, benefited financially quite well from reporting uh, news stories about current events that make your side of the the politics the political spectrum look good and like if I were in the way that I try to do it is to read reliable and trustworthy news sources. And it might be harder in politics than it is other places and try to learn about what is happening and what is fact and then make my own decision about how I'm supposed to handle it or feel about it rather than just relying on somebody to tell me what I want to think or what I want to believe. Um, And I think that's the number one problem in journalism. uh, And I think that it's a more of a rampant issue in the political space. Um, But certainly it has crept into the sports world because people read things from their slant and they perceive that to be true. And they read the athletic and they think that we're haters of their program because we're, we're writing facts and not the propaganda. And then it all gets really messy. So that was a long rant, but it, it just, it, the, the moral of the story here is be careful what you're reading and not everything you read on the internet is true. Amen. And always be aware of who you're reading and what you're reading and what the website is and who's writing it and where it's being produced, the background of the person writing it. You know, I'm not, uh, like I said, I'll say it again. I'm not Wright Thompson, but I try to do it the right way. Yeah. We have very strict sourcing rules at the athletic. Yeah. And and you're not allowed to run things if it's not, if it's not fact. And if you misreport, you can get fired. Like this is where we work. So uh, to me, if I were. You know, maybe I'm biased, but if I were a sports uh, nut and, and like whenever I want to read about the NFL or if I want to read about the NBA or consume sports from a fan standpoint, I read The Athletic. Good choice. Company, man. You are. But how come whenever we come on the podcast, I'm like, did you read so-and-so's story? You're like, not yet. Um, I don't know. I read more than you think. Okay, good. Um, Sorry, one. I don't read your reading list. What? I don't read everything in the same order that you read it. Sorry. Um, Brian J. Nebraska's pipeline to Texas dried up when they left the Big 12 and went to the Big 10. Now that Matt Rule is in charge, he has used his previous connections to bring in a handful of recruits from the Lone Star State. With Nebraska not playing regular games in the state of Texas, do you think Rule can continue to pull multiple recruits from the state, or will Nebraska need to schedule some games in Texas periodically? 
my, my opinion is that once you establish a pipeline, you've got a pipeline, you have a reputation that you don't need to play games there. You know, sure, would it help if they played some a few games and we'll see what happens with the, the whole crazy Big Ten with the two Southern California teams. But I think if you can establish yourself as a, get a reputation in a certain part of the country, that you can keep that going even if you don't play games there. Yeah, I think that the whole pipeline geography thing is still important. But I also think, too, that national recruiting has become so prevalent yes. now that location of the place is not as important as it was maybe even five years ago. Um, I don't know what pipeline schools or what pipeline, like I don't know that Nebraska holds any more weight in Texas than some other big 10 teams that recruit that state or everybody else who does. But like Matt rule could be a good recruiter and have a good staff and go into Texas and get guys. Um, and like, hell, I mean, they might get a, a, <laughs> the number one overall player in the class could end up at Nebraska this year. And, and Dylan Riola, whose father played there and whose uncle's the offensive line coach. Yeah. So I, also, it, playing away games in a non-conference schedule, like one or two, isn't going to be the reason someone chooses you or feels more comfortable choosing you, right? Like, it's like, oh, I'm from Dallas, and they're playing SMU one year. It's like, oh, I'm going to go there now because they're coming here once. Right. The, it doesn't it doesn't compute. Right. It would help if I can, um, if, you, if they're playing a bunch of games close by. Yeah. You know, so like, it's like but, one non-conference yeah. game isn't going to be yeah. a make or break anyway. Exactly. Um, exactly. And, you know. Um, ready for a little trivia? How far away is Lincoln if I wanted to drive there from Dallas? Are we talking uh, eight hours or are we talking like 15 max. hours? I think it's probably, my guess would be 12, 10 hours. You want me to, are, you, are you Googling it? Yeah, I love knowing how far hours. it takes. Your guess is 10 hours? That's my trivia question. It's I've driven from Nashville to Omaha several times for the College World Series. It's about Yeah, like every year, right? It's about 15. 14 hours, I believe. 13. Lincoln, Nebraska 13 to Dallas is nine hours and 30 minutes. You nailed it. You just drive right up uh, through yeah. Tulsa and or through Wichita and go right to it. You know, it's two states away. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Lost my train of thought there. Ready for a little trivia? I'm ready. And I'm, okay. I'm ready to, to, to bury it again. Okay. Yeah. You've been on a roll. My baby is opening the office doors and slamming them, so sorry about that. Okay, good. Hey, Liv. I'm Liv's favorite person today. Um, you are. How many of the 26 blue-chip quarterbacks in the class of 2023 signed with in-state programs? Ooh. How many of the top what? 26 blue-chip quarterbacks in the 2023 class signed with in-state programs. Nine. Six. You want to try and name them? Respectable. No? Uh, I know a few off the top of okay. my head. Um, oh, my God. I don't know any. One of them's a no-brainer. Uh, oh, Talk. Avery Johnson uh, went yes. to Kansas State. Yes. Um, one of them's a no-brainer. Oh, Malachi Nelson went to yeah. uh, USC. Yeah. Uh, oh, J.J. Cole is from yes. Iowa, right? Good job. Um We've talked about one it. program a lot I think, today. I think that's it. Two of them were flips. Oh, who's South Carolina's quarterback? Lenore Sellers. Yeah. Okay. He's Syracuse. one. And that then, was a good flip too, because that kid apparently is really good and yeah. has been uh, underrated a little bit. Um, and I think that might be There's the another, last another one flip. that I know. Another Big Ten to SEC flip. Oh, wait, North Carolina's kid, Tad Hudson, yeah. is from North Carolina. That's one. 
And that's Did you just get it. off that's the top last... of your head? Tad Hudson? Yeah. I'm just trying to think of who's committed okay. in the classes, but I don't know the last one. Ricky Collins. Oh, yeah. Baton Rouge. Uh, that was the best. That was the easiest one. Yeah. Well, I thought, uh, yeah. Yeah. But I, yeah. So I knew it was going to be low, but not as low as I guessed. I, I'll, I think it's respectable. Nine out of the, out of the 26 is a respectable guess when the answer is six. Yeah. I mean, you could call it that. You're 50% off. That's true. Yeah. But it was good. It was good. I got it. It wasn't d- embarrassing. I'll take it as long as it's not embarrassing. Yeah. You did not embarrass yourself. I got a DM from uh, one of our listeners um, who said, we all know. Ari's trivia prowess eerily resembles flowers for Algernon. What I don't know what that is. Is that something Algernon? What is that? Well, you're not reading whatever you're reading correctly. Yeah. So how am I supposed to know? Yeah. <laughs> but so he's basically says, look forward to the regression in the pod soon. Oh yeah. Well, hey, you're gonna have to wait another week, pal. Yeah. It's a uh, short story by American author Daniel Keyes. I guess I'm exposing myself for not knowing this. Um, yeah. You obviously don't read stories. So yeah. Um. All right. Well, that was signing day. Uh. Andy and I are going to be back on the horn uh, here in the next day or so. And and Mitch, uh, I think next week will be the perfect opportunity to really dive into 2024 and, you know, and talk with about Jesse Temple. We'll talk with Jesse Wisconsin. Temple and, you know, we got a lot. So, you know, another year in the books and another year's beginning. They all blend together. Recruiting never stops. This, this podcast is never going to stop. <laughs> Hopefully you never stop listening. We will catch you guys next week. <laughs>